from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Elaine Cha. On the first day of classes this August, St. Louis Public Schools Superintendent Kelvin Adams greeted parents and students as they got dropped off at various schools across the city. Here he is that day, reflecting on his role as the district's leader. Yeah, I never met a kid that I did not feel comfortable having a conversation with. I've never felt uh, afraid of any kid that I've interacted with. Part of my responsibility in this community's responsibility to provide them with the resources and the support they need to be the best um, person that they can be. And I feel sometimes that we have not done a really good job of doing that. And so I lean into that heavily because I want to use my position in this organization to try to solve some of those kind of issues about supporting kids and giving them the resources that they so desperately need and deserve. That same month, Adams announced that he'd retire from the position of superintendent in December, a role he's held for the last 14 years. Now, between kindergarten and 12th grade, there are 13 years of school. That means students who got first day of school pictures in a St. Louis public schools classroom in 2008 and graduated from an SLPS high school in 2020 experienced K-12 education in a district led by Adams. We are now here in the last month of 2022 and joining me in studio to talk about his 14 years heading St. Louis Public Schools is Kelvin Adams himself. Superintendent Adams, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for the invitation. So we're going to take it back to the beginning. When you came to St. Louis Public Schools, the district had just had six superintendents in six years. And since 1839, more than half of SLPS superintendents had tenures of two uh, of tenures that is of two years or less. What circumstances were you facing on day one of your job back in two thousand eight? Well, day one on my job in two thousand and eight, because I started on November the third, uh, the district had already started, um, and the district was unaccredited, had a deficit in terms of funding. Um, and so the challenges I faced, quite frankly, was just trying to learn as much as I could to find out what we needed to do to try to address the concerns uh, that were before me. I saw a lot of data and information in terms of on paper, but I needed to feel what was happening. And so on the very first day after leaving the office, I visited schools to try to get some sense of what was actually happening on the ground. And which schools did you visit? Do you remember which uh, ones? I remember visiting McKinley and Jefferson Elementary School mm-hmm. uh, were the two schools that I remember visiting on the on that first day. What made you feel ready to undertake those circumstances, both the financial ones and the academic? I spent um, my career working in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, as a teacher, principal, uh, coach, um, executive director of middle schools. Uh, so I thought I had on-the-job training. I also worked in New Orleans in the recovery school district after Katrina. And so I thought I had a good sense of what it took to turn around a district or at least to try to impact the district in a positive way for students and kids. Um, and so that's what gave me the, I don't want to use the word confidence because I don't want to come across as being arrogant in any way, shape, or form. But I felt I had some experiences that could be helpful uh, in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. 
Now, coming into any new job means taking time to acquaint and understand people, places, history, and culture. And apart from the circumstances that you talked about, were there challenges you inherited and had either to manage or resolve that were easier to tackle because you came most immediately from outside St. Louis? Um, I originally came to St. Louis in 2006, a year after Katrina, and I spent one year uh, in the district, uh, left to go back to New Orleans. So I had some familiarity, quite frankly, with some of the people and some of the challenges because I was here before. Uh, So that gave me also a level of confidence that I knew some of the players, if you will, some of the people and some of the organizational challenges. Um, So I think, you know, based on that, I felt that I could get the work done and I did not have to familiarize myself as somebody brand new coming into the organization without any familiarity with St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that you brought from your work in New Orleans to St. Louis as a newcomer that you applied you know, pretty pretty readily and pretty quickly? Yeah, there was a lot, quite frankly. Number one, the notion of listening, uh, understanding that uh, there are a number of is- things that you have to do, and one of them is to listen really well, to hear what people are really saying when they're not saying what they want to say. Uh, number two, um, the notion of being collaborative, trying to make sure that there were many people at the table uh, not just one person at the table. And thirdly, uh, this notion of um, just being flexible, that things were not black and white. Uh, when you come into a district that had the kind of challenges that St. Louis had, and you framed really well the multiple persons who had been in charge, there was really not a, a sense of um, certainty around what would occur. The belief was that this person will be here for a short time, and will get through his tenure and go on to the next person. And so uh, I had to be flexible enough to understand that um, I needed to listen, hear people out, and give them the um, get, give them the, uh, the belief that I was going to be here long enough to see what we were talking about being impacted, uh, enacted. Mm-hmm. And you'd said that you arrived in 2006 to stay for about a year before you actually started the job in November of 2008. So that familiarity, uh, the other side of of this question, I guess, in terms of what you could do as a newcomer, how long did it take for you to feel acclimated enough to move forward on some items that someone who is new might not have been able to to take up in the same way? Really excellent question. Um, I moved with Um, the understanding that I was going to be here and we were going to put things in place that were going to be long-term. And so immediately, you know, quite frankly, immediately, I started gathering data, uh, talking to people, examining things. Uh, I was an on-the-ground learner in terms of being in places I needed to see and feel it myself. Uh, But I would say, uh, because I started in November, the end of the school year in 2000. Uh, eight, which was the 2009 in June is when we started making some changes that I thought could impact the organization in terms of personnel, in terms of organizational structure, in terms of the financial challenges. And so I would say July 1, 2009 would have been when those things that were in place started to change somewhat because of the recommendations we were making. Mm-hmm. Are charter schools kind of part of 
of making those changes and pushing ahead with something that you saw as being um, helpful in terms of addressing specifically the money side of things and the academics? So charter schools are independent organizations, separate and apart from the St. Louis Public School District and separate and apart. Uh, So the answer to the question is, while I was aware of charter schools and what was going on with charter schools, and quite frankly, the tension between the St. Louis Public School Districts or traditional schools and charter schools, uh, it was not a major factor for me to make decisions that I needed to make. I was aware of the challenges that were in the city of St. Louis, and as I said before, the the uh, acrimony between charters and the traditional school district. And what I try to do is to try to be as um, transparent as possible and try to be as student-focused as possible, which meant that I wasn't necessarily focused on what happened in charter schools or um, making them an issue. The issue was what was happening to students in the city of St. Louis, whether they were in charter schools or whether they were in traditional public schools. That I simply was that I was the superintendent of. Mm-hmm. And to just touch on something that has happened mm-hmm. this week, the St. Louis City Board of Education has voted to become a charter school sponsor and hoping to sponsor Confluence Academies starting in the next school year. Why does it make sense for a district like SLPS that already has a lot on its plate to add that to what it is, what it's dealing with? So, um, excellent question. Uh, The district has had the responsibility for students in the city of St. Louis always. Um, While charter schools are in the city of St. Louis and are authorized by state legislation, at the end of the day, the district is still responsible for students in the city of St. Louis. And so in this particular case, it made sense for the district to look to partner to take over, to take over, I'm sorry, the wrong word, but to sponsor, uh, because we've been responsible for um, schools that have closed in the past, and that happening has had an impact on the district. Uh, In in addition to that, Confluence is a little bit different in that it it really... um, supports the same demographic population that we support, uh, traditionally in terms of high poverty, in terms of locations that their buildings are located in. And so it, 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 it should be noted that they are still 100% independent of the St. Louis Public School District with their own board, with their own CEO, um, and they manage all of their contracts independent of us. It is our responsibility to act as a sponsor to kind of support them or to um, or to evaluate and hold them accountable for what they say they're going to do. Um, and so that's a role we have for our 64 schools and, and some 20,000 students as well. And so for the 2,400 students that are part of Confluence, all we're simply doing is supporting them as a result of being a sponsor and giving them the ability to continue um, in, the, in, in the manner that they are before, were before. And quite frankly, their sponsor walked away. Their sponsor closed. And so they had uh, several options. We were one of those options. We thought it made sense to kind of collaborate since we are touching the same students. And there might be a possibility, no one knows for sure, that we will have to collaborate around school locations in the future. Mm -hmm. Now, you have um, advocated for a citywide plan. Um, What is that, and why do you think that it's necessary under the leadership of Board uh, Vice Chair um, uh, Antoinette Cousins, who has taken a board lead on um, the citywide plan, 
Uh, in August, the board passed uh, a consent agenda item to uh, have an outside facility to work with the district and all parties in the city to talk about what needs to happen for the city of St. Louis. The population of the city is shrinking and the population of students is shrinking, and so we we need to determine how best to support what happens for kids in the city of St. Louis. The redundancy of how we spend money, our transportation, there are just a number of different issues that are city issues that need to be managed uh, and need to be addressed, not just by the St. Louis Public School District, that's traditional, not just by charters independently, not even just by uh, uh, private and parochial schools. We have to do a better job of leveraging our resources to support kids in the city of St. Louis, and the citywide plan gives us an, an ability to look to do that. So I'm hopeful that the end of June a recommendation will be made that people can look at um, and say, wow, um, that's what the data says, that's what the information says, and we're all sitting at the table, not necessarily we myself, but the leadership of the traditional school district as well as charter schools and hopefully private and parochial and, and the, uh, the archdiocese as well can say we, we, we agree that a plan um, that has been looked at, the citywide plan, is a way to look at moving in that direction to create the best avenue for students in the city of St. Louis. And I'll just give you one last thing. We closed a school in the area of the city uh, several years ago. A charter school closed several years ago in the same area of the city. A Catholic school closed in the same area of the city. Those students, those families who live in that neighborhood don't have a school. They have to be transported out of that neighborhood to another neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But if we were in coordination, maybe, just maybe, we could have decided that one school would remain there in a way to support those families such that they would not have to um, find another place to, to live or uh, another place to, 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 to try for, for kids to go to school. And what you're talking about is uh, problems that have been encountered by different kinds of school systems. Um, and in terms of the, the district here, St. Louis Public Schools, enrollment has steadily declined over the last 15 years. Um, in 2007, St. Louis Public Schools had more than 26,000 students. And just this week, there was data released that says that the district now has 16,500 students. And resources for them have been spread thinly across many buildings that are half empty. Now, this is clearly a troubling trend with no simple solution. You, you have been talking about what different districts for different kinds of schools have been doing. What do you think needs to happen outside school districts to stem these student population losses? And who's responsible for moving things in that direction? First and foremost, I think we all are responsible. Every citizen in the city of St. Louis has some level of responsibility. I think there has to be also a holistically, holistic plan around housing uh, in terms of where kids live. And so I think it's a much bigger plan than just a citywide plan around education. Part of what's happening is that we do have developers and other people at the table, people who are responsible for information from the city. And so we're, we're thinking about this in a holistic way such that we can come up with a plan that can support kids. But the, the, to your point, the first um, effort has to be collaboration. There has to be collaboration from the school district, from the city, uh, from um, 
um, charter schools, from uh, private and parochial and archdiocese to come up with an idea about how to best support kids in the city of St. Louis. To your point, yeah. the population is doing things everywhere in the city of St. Louis, so we have to have a better strategy around supporting kids. So we're definitely going to get back to this point about collaboration. We need to take a quick break, but when we return, we will pick up on that. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. Superintendent, you have talked about collaboration from the beginning, um, and community is another word that has come up. What has your time as superintendent here taught you about the relationship between public schools and community? Uh, First and foremost, I think it is um, crucial for anything to happen. Um, I've also learned that it's difficult. in the city of St. Louis for collaboration to take place. Um, as everyone has their own opinion or views, uh, there's so many different neighborhoods uh, and so many different focuses in those neighborhoods. There is a reason why people ask the question, what high school did you grow up in? What high school did you graduate from in St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Which really speaks to this notion of um, the pride around high schools, but also this notion of how people feel about uh, where they grew up in um, uh, this notion of community and collaboration. So I think it's critical and important. I think it's difficult, but I think it's worthy of um, what we need to do. It's worth what we need to do to support our kids. And you talked about listening as well. Where and how have you actively been a listener in, in the work that you've done? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, obviously, listening to our local unions as they have brought uh, proposals before the district, listening to um, our teachers, our students, and our student advisory council, obviously listening to our board as they have um, our views about what needs to happen, uh, listening to the community uh, at large and also to the business community that's been a really strong partner. Uh, I think um, throughout the 14 years that I've been here as superintendent, we have listened as we looked at closing schools, we had listening sessions there. We have listened as uh, I say as much as there's always more you can do, but we've tried to make a concerted effort to open the door and be transparent and listen to everyone that has an opinion about public education. Mm-hmm. And Sumner High School is an example of a school that was near closure. Um, you know, the district does have an aim to increase enrollment at that historicville neighborhood school. Is there anything that you heard? when you were listening that really drove that decision to keep the school open? Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent uh, question. Um, it was one of the 10 schools, 11 schools that we were looking to close several years ago. We listened to the public. We listened to the Alumni Association. We listened to partners who came to the table to provide resources and support uh, to make sure that the school, they created an advisory board. The enrollment, quite frankly, is up this year. Um, 
think about 20 or 30 students when it was on a steady decline. We have partners at the table who are working with us. So we open the door to listen. And those, those listening sessions cause us to think about how to support this school differently. I am hopeful that it continue to uh, can happen, but the neighborhood has to change. It's not just done in isolation. Uh, there has to be some other people who are listening as well, developers and persons who want to move in that neighborhood. We can't have a school that remains there with the kind of numbers, even though they're increasing the way they are. So what I heard was a, a level of support that I had not heard before, and that is why we made some adjustment around what to do with that particular school. And quite frankly, we did that with three schools, not just that one. Mm-hmm. Which are the other two schools? Uh, if I remember correctly, um, Monroe mm-hmm. was the second school we made some adjustment with. And there was one other school I can't think of right now. Okay. And what you shared really does speak to um, the role that school districts play and the things that they don't have the power to to change. Now, when you spoke with St. Louis Public Radio in August, you said that you were proudest of your work to stabilize St. Louis Public Schools. Where has that stability been most visible? Uh, the, the, the thing that people would look at, number one, would obviously be finances. When I started, the district had a 60-something million dollar deficit. Um, the board just accepted an audit report on Tuesday night with the district having about $135 million surplus. And so that's the easiest place for people to look. But I think there's been some, uh, not I don't think I know, there's been stability around academics as well. While we've not done as well as we want to have done, um, the instability in community makes it hard to kind of have a trajectory that moves um, strictly up because of the, the challenges that are facing our community. Um, and also, I think, around uh, school leadership. We have principals who are in place for for a number of years now. And so I think stability of workforce as well and systems stability of systems that are in place, that people know whether they like it or not, um, how things work. Um, And so I think those are some of the things, uh, areas that you can look at around stability. So you did bring the district into a place where it became accredited again. Um, And also in that August uh, interview that you did with St. Louis Public Radio, you said that your biggest regret was, quote, not moving the needle on academics. What needs to change in the district to address very specifically persistently low test scores? Yeah, I think we put too much emphasis on test, number one. I think what we need to be doing differently is, um, I think sometimes there are things that get in the way um, um, to keep us from really focusing in that area in a way that we need to. Uh, right now, we have about 300 teaching vacancies, which makes it very difficult to stabilize the academic achievement results that we want to have. Um, that's number one. Number two, our families are just so um, um, so mobile right now, so transient. We have about 30 to 35% transient population, which makes it difficult to stabilize academics when students are moving and addressing other issues. And so I think it has to be a community effort. We can't do it in isolation. When you say, what does the district need to do? I think the question really should be, what should the community do? And the community should be 
are working to try to stabilize housing, stabilize uh, jobs for families such that they can be stable and their children can be stable as they walk into these buildings uh, in next school year with the new uh, interim superintendent, Dr. Williams, in January to try to make sure that we can move the needle in the direction it needs to move academically. Mm-hmm. A distinction of your tenure that no other SLPS superintendent shares is serving as the district's leader through a global pandemic. Um, There was no precedent for dealing with that before March 2020. So a great portion of what you did to manage virtual learning and the myriad issues and challenges related to that was really a matter of learn as you go. And the, the stakes were highest for students. What superintendent scope lessons came out of leading through the worst of the pandemic? Flexibility. We had to be flexible every single hour of every single day. While flexibility is thought about from a weekly, monthly perspective, we had to be flexible hourly, especially in the beginning of the pandemic as families were just struggling with uh, determining if they're going to send children to class, if they were going to be virtual or not virtual. We literally made decisions uh, day to day hour to hour about what we were going to do and how we were going to support families. And it was incredibly difficult because there was a sense of um, communication that people thought we were not necessarily being as transparent as we could be, but we just didn't know what to do and how to do it from hour to hour based upon the data and information we were getting. In addition to that, there was a lot of confusion around wearing masks, not wearing masks, come to school, be in person, that was national, not just at the district level, but the guidance necessarily coming from the entities that provide the professionals uh, help uh, wasn't necessarily clear, which made it really difficult for us to make the kind of decisions that we needed to make. Mm -hmm. So you're retiring after 14 years. Will you be in semi-retirement after (laughs) you leave this position? And by that, I most certainly mean, how long will you wear lounge pants and slippers, if that is something you do at home, before you're seen about time, about town, um, working or not working on issues that interest or inspire you? Uh, I would say that I don't wear uh, the slippers and the lounge pants. Okay. (laughs) Um, But uh, I would think that... um, it will be fairly soon. Uh, I am deeply committed to this city and its community and the young people in it, and I would suspect that in short order, our persons will see me uh, in spaces of supporting kids again, just not necessarily in a traditional school setting. Mm-hmm. In a different way. Yes. Kelvin Adams has led St. Louis Public Schools as its superintendent for the last 14 years. This month, he is stepping away from that position and into quote-unquote retirement. Superintendent Adams, thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me and thank the community for supporting the St. Louis Public School District. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. 
podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.